Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from January 1st, 2023 called A Fresh Start for an Old Man, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. For the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed. Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Well, God's grace and his mercy and his peace are yours in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So there's a sermon outline if you'd like to follow along. So kudos to Chris. He and his family got in at about midnight last night So from traveling. So, um, so thanks for being here and for being able to be here with our family. So it's good. Um, so I want to follow along with this. Though that text is, uh, is not often used, um, is not often used, and I'm really delighted that it falls for us here, the, the Simeon and Anna, where Marion and Joseph go, um, and I love that it falls on the new year, too. So I don't know what kind of activities you did last night, um, I'm, I, I'm hesitant to admit how old I am, because I'm in bed at 9, or 9.30, you know, watch it in New York City, and then say, Happy New Year, and kiss my wife, go to bed. <laughs> But uh, one activity that, that is so common, of course, is resolutions, making resolutions. So I went and found some because these are pretty common. It's been a long time since I've really sat and made kind of New Year's resolutions. Um, but this is a, a practice that I used to do many, many years. So here's a whole number of them. These are real common. These are real common. Um, go vegan for six months and inevitably give up. Secondly, sign up for a marathon that I bravely will not actually run. Here's one. Here's a pandemic one. Relearn social cues after nearly two years stuck at home. Um, read more, or at least turn read more, or at least turn the subtitles on while binge watching TV. Eat more tacos. Um, find more reasons to use the word ver- verisimilitude. Do you know what that means? Verisimilitude. It means it looks real. It kind of has the appearance of being real. So when you, go to, when you go to the Avatar movie, you can say, wow, that CGI really has great verisimilitude. Verisimilitude. Anyway, whatever. When meeting with friends, I will stop telling the same jokes or I'll make new friends. That's a problem for me. I, you hear my same jokes over and over, I'm afraid. So I got to have a problem. I can't get new friends. Give up blaming the family dog for every strange smell in the house. <laughs> Here's some more. Um... Order every drink on the Starbucks menu. Perfect your charcuterie board skills. Celebrate hall- here. This one's for you, Chris. Celebrate Hallmark's countdown to Christmas in July. Yeah. You love you love Christmas. Host a Sunday supper for your friends at least once a month. Now that's a pretty good one. There we got a pretty good one. Uh, here's here's a dumb one. Learn the Thriller dance by Halloween. So those are the dumb lists. This one I found had a little bit more thought to it. So here's one. Get your photo taken in five interesting places. That's an interesting resolution. Um, It causes you to think about, where could I go? Where could I go? What would that do? Here's a second one. Learn a decent party trick. I don't know. What is that? Like a a card trick or some kind of trivia something? Here's a third one. Break a record. And I wasn't sure if that meant plastic or Guinness. I wasn't quite sure. Here's a fourth one. Make a new friend a month. I like that one. Five, develop a good relationship with your body. That sounds very kind of very weird, and, but I get what they mean. 
Um, six, learn something you never learned as a child. That's interesting. Like say you didn't ever learn to swim. Or if you never learned to like ride a bike or do a handstand or, you know, something like that. That would be maybe dangerous for me. But anyway. Um, seven, try a new food each week. That's not bad. Eight, make the usual unusual. When I was reading this one, I thought that was interesting. Because it's like, well, I always go the same way home. Go a different way home. Make a stop. Do a change in your routine. Make the usual unusual. Nine, sort out a financial worry so that it stops being a worry. And then ten, do something nice for others every day. Now, out of all those things I said, that's a neat one, right? That's, that, one, that one maybe is the only one I can find grounded in the word of God. <laughs> you know, um, What do you find about resolutions? Boy, they're selfish, aren't they? Selfish sounds negative. Self-centered. You know, and isn't that the point of a resolution? I should do something for self-improvement. I make a resolution and I improve myself. I don't know. I, like, I kind of like our Christian tradition. We're going to be heading up to Lent here in a number of weeks. It's not that far away, actually. A couple months. And we'll be heading into Lent. And that is a season like that in which we stop and think, Lord, how will I be different? How will you change me? How can I change my heart? How will you change my heart? How will I grow in faith? You know, Advent and Lent are parallel seasons. If you're not familiar with that in the church year, um, traditionally they always had the same colors. We kind of changed that in Vatican II where Advent all of a sudden became blue. It's gorgeous, isn't it? But it became blue because of Mary. Um, But traditionally Lutheran churches always had purple for Advent and also for Lent to remind us that they're similar seasons. They're times of preparation. And that's what a resolution is about, isn't it? And we come across an individual, and, and, and I love that this falls on New Year's Day, because please, I'm, I would be stretching the text way too far. Rosh Hashanah, or the New Year for, for, um, for Jews, is not at this time. It's months apart from this. So this is not them celebrating. We're celebrating a New Year. And how, and what we love to do as preachers is, how is the word which has been assigned to us for us this day speak into the moment in which we're living? And here we are, standing on the first day of 2023. How does this experience at the temple where Joseph and Mary bring the baby Jesus at eight days, right? Circumcision, naming, and they faithfully named him as the angel had instructed. You will give him the name Jesus because he will save their people from their sins. He was circumcised, became B'nai B'rith, a son of the covenant. Um, And so he became a son of the covenant. They were fulfilling the law of Moses. And then they have that that wonderful encounter with Simeon and Anna. Simeon is kind of the focus this day. Both very elderly, very devout, but waiting for the consolation of Israel. And almost all of us interpret that as the promised Messiah, waiting for the one who would bring consolation to Israel. Restoration, forgiveness, hope, all of those things. And so very devout. So how does this one tie into standing on the new year? What kind of resolutions? So I'm not challenging us to actually take on resolutions. This is an encouragement of increase of faith. An increase of faith. Because that's what I would really say is resolutions. Lord, help grow my faith. Help grow my faith in these ways. So let's see what this text actually has to say. What do we learn here from Mary and Joseph's trip to the temple? So I'm I'm intrigued with um, 
So I, it's been great fun, you know, having a grandson here and growing up with Luke, and he's sitting over there, and uh, he's the cutest thing ever, and he's just delightful, and he knows a bunch of things, and so I'm very proud, Grandpa. And, uh, but I am a little bit anxious for the time when he begins saying why all the time. Uh, because his mother was that way. And um, she, that you get into that phase with a child when it's a constant why. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Why? 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 And almost no answer seems to really quite suffice. And isn't that a neat piece that God put into us? I mean, God put that in, and that may be one of those qualities in the human character which God may have, rege- may have repented of later. <laughs> Not that God repents of anything, but which essentially saying, because here's the challenge. The question why often can get in the way of action. It often can replace action. Why am I doing this? Why do we do this? Why do we have to go now? Why do I have to wear those clothes? Why does it cost this much? Why can't I do that? And so often, if you aren't able to act adequately satisfy that why question, then we believe that's justification for us not to do the thing. Do you agree? Especially in our culture today, and especially as adults. You can't explain it to me? I ain't doing it. And that's a problem in faith. Because in this moment, look at what Mary and Joseph do. Think about doing this in this culture today. If Mary and Joseph, if a mother and father were to bring, were to wait a certain amount of days for purification, why do you think this person needs purification? Aren't they good all unto themselves? Who dares to say that they aren't pure? They wait days for purification. They come to the temple. They make a, a trip. I mean, they happen to be in Bethlehem, thank God. But they make this trip to the temple in order that those priests that are assigned can perform the circumcision and they can publicly declare his naming, firstborn son, which is dedicated to the Lord, which God redeems, God buys back. It's wonderful anticipation, isn't it, of Jesus? The wonderful anticipation of what's going to happen later. They would be mocked, ridiculed, or at least categorized as, well, those those are a couple religious nuts. What a couple of weirdos. Because you can't explain to me why they had to do all that stuff. And what I love about this lesson that I learned from this text is first, God instructed and they obeyed. That's point number one. God instructed and they obeyed. And and I'm going to give you five things here that I'm not calling resolutions, but they're five things. Beliefs. How can we grow in our faith? Here's the first one. What do Mary and Joseph teach us from this visit to the temple? What they are saying It would be to take this on as a resolution. Lord, increase my faith so that I can, with Mary and Joseph, say, you know best. That's what this says. God, I don't know why I'm doing this. Is Mary somehow impure? Does does she have immoral thoughts? Does the physical actions of her body, which God created, make her impure? It's a dedication piece. It's an obedience piece. It's a faithfulness piece. Mary and Joseph follow the law of the Lord because in their heart, their faith says, God knows best. And so there are so, too, far too many times when we go through God's word and we go, well, I don't understand that, so I'm going to take that under advisement. This is the tricky thing as a church that is a little more biblical in which we say the Bible is not kind of a pick and choose book. You know, you kind of pick the parts you like and agree with and doesn't make you socially an outcast. 
but you actually take the book and say, God, you know best. I don't understand always. And it doesn't mean that you have to champion every single thing in every situation in every place, but to constantly be asking the question, God, you know best. Help me know why this is best for me. Help me understand that. I've used this phrase with you before, uh, and this was a, a, a transformational point in my own faith walk in which I used to constantly do, Lord, because I'm a planner. I would plan and plan and plan and plan, get my plans, and then I would pray. Lord, please bless this thing that I have planned. And I had that absolutely 180 degrees backwards in which our searching should be, Lord, what are you blessing? And I will do that thing. Give me the faith to do those things which you have said you will bless. I mean, it affects everything from how we choose to live, who we choose to make a household with, how we spend our money, how we, do, how we take recreational time, what we do for career things. Like, for instance, you've heard me say this too before. We so often ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's 180 degrees backwards in the sense of saying, God, what have you made me to be? How have you designed me? What are you calling me to? I would like to follow your call. That's point number one. That's really the belief. If it's a resolution, it's a resolution to say, Lord, strengthen my faith to say, you, you know best. And don't allow my whys. Now, do you think God is offended by you asking why? Well, of course not. God's not offended by that. It doesn't mean to stop asking why. But when you don't get the answer you don't like, it doesn't mean God is wrong. It means you don't understand it. That's what it means. Because imagine when it says, when we say, well, I don't understand it, therefore I won't do it. God is dumber than you, is what you're saying. Good luck with that one. And so the first one is God knows best. Second is this. <clears throat> Did you know that on those New Year's resolutions, 90% of them are abandoned at the day 32? At day 32. Only 10% of resolutions remain still in effect six months after we've made them. So resolutions are an interesting thing. Take Simeon as a contrast. Simeon, right, righteous, devout, and patient, and patient. That's hard with resolutions, isn't it? We're not patient. We're not patient to allow the thing to happen. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Decades he had waited. Decades he had waited. God had promised to him that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah. And so we get this beautiful thing in our traditional liturgy. If you grew up in this tradition, the nunc dimittis, Lord, now depart, right? Let your servant depart in peace. Uh, just a beautiful, and it was really one of my favorite parts of the service as a child. Maybe it was because it was at the end and we were going home soon. But it was, the, it was after communion, you know, and we would sing that, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. Uh, your word has been fulfilled. And so here is Simeon who enters into the scene. What a wonderful, wonderful example of patience. Because we too often say, console me now. And here's the belief. If this is a resolution or, Lord, help me strengthen my faith, here's the second one for you. And I don't have these in your notes. So if you, if you want these or want to know them, you have to re-watch the video on YouTube or something. But the, the belief is this. The belief is that God, in fact, has your life and circumstances well in hand. That's what that is. I can go in peace. Our devotion, in Simeon's case, 
his devotion. He was devout and righteous. Get that? Now, please don't hear me wrong on this. It's some kind of call to you to be, be more righteous and devout because it'll make you more right with God. Baloney, it's the opposite. His devotion and righteousness confirmed his assurance of his salvation. Did you hear it in the words? Because he was waiting for the consolation. It's in point number three. So the belief here, the resolution, God has this well in hand. Point number three is a proper dismissal. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You know, many of you remember Dave Reichelt, of course. And Dave helped and assisted us. And he helped over at Faith Lutheran. Just a wonderful friend. I miss him dearly. Uh, he's back east in Maryland. Got a wonderful job promotion, regional thing. And he's with his parents who are aging a little bit. So he's got some opportunities there. But I miss Dave. We've been connecting a little bit. Because he, he did the living nativity and uh, the narrative along with Ralph. They did that narrative of the, of the, the script. And so Dave said, watch the living nativity. I can't believe you're still using it. That was so neat. I'm so honored. You know, it was just a neat conversation to wish him a Merry Christmas and so forth. But he was funny because he, he, he would critique my sermons for me. And his, the, he usually was very complimentary. But there were times he would say, you know what your biggest problem is? You don't know when to stop. <laughs> and I said, do you mean I'm too long? He said, no, no, I don't mean that. He said, they could be shorter. But he said, that's not really what I mean. He said, there's a trick to ending well. And he's really right. I, I don't know about how this is. We haven't really talked about this specifically. But it's a challenge in, in doing a sermon in which we share with you week after week after week. When's the right time to end? When is the right time? Because it's not theatrical. It's not uh, performance-based. It's not that we have to, you know, big finish. It has to end right. It should end well. Simeon is a model for us in ending well. And here's how you end well. Because sometimes we have a hard time saying goodbye, don't we? Let me translate this to life a little bit. It's a similar thing. Sometimes we have a hard time saying goodbye. Whether it's a loved one who's passed, or someone who's entering a new phase of life. Kids move away. They start their own homes. They start their own lives. People make choices or decisions which actually tend to separate them. We live in such a polarized time. Sometimes people are saying goodbye for heartaching reasons. Simeon has learned how to say goodbye well. This is a proper dismissal. Why? For my eyes have seen your salvation. Here's the, here's the, four, here's the third resolution or belief. Lord, grow my faith in such a way that I can live as if my salvation is actually secure. That my salvation is true, certain, that I know it's true. Because then your goodbyes are different. Your endings are different. I know for me, and I, I think this is true for Chris too, I've said to this to you before, my goal when you walk out of a sermon or out of church is not that you say, oh, I stink and I'm a jerk. And I need, the pastor gave me four things I need to do better. And if I can get on those, I'll be better. What we want you to do is walk out and say, what a great Jesus we have. What a wonderful Jesus we have. What a joy it would be to be able to live in a way that people could see that Jesus in me. Because I already have heaven in hand. Because it's in his hand. 
for my eyes have seen your salvation. You know, we hear this phrase, you know, in protests, you know, no, no justice, no peace. You know, if we don't get justice, we're not going to have peace. The better phrase is, if there's no Jesus, there's no peace. But if you know Jesus, you have complete peace. You know where you're going. You know why you're going. And you know how it's been made done. Fourth thing. So if you, if you came to 11, if you didn't see it, or if you want to go online... The, the, the thing that launched the whole kind of the chosen phenomenon, oh, and we're kicking that back off this Wednesday, if you want to come and join in and watch an episode and then just sit and discuss it, it's just that kind of thing, starting out on Wednesday, 6.30 in here, um, episode five of the first season for me. Um, the thing that kicked it all off was Dallas Jenkins, who's kind of the, in his church, he kind of is a Bible college graduate and so forth, evangelical Christian. And very talented filmmaker and scriptwriter and so forth. Well, they, his church asked him to produce something for their Christmas Eve service. This is kind of a neat story because we kind of found it. And it, it was the thing that kind of said, hey, I wonder if we could actually make a series of this with the life of Jesus and his ministry and so forth. And that's what it ultimately developed into a crowdfunded, um, you know, um, phenomenon um, series of shows. But this first one was at Christmas and it was a shepherd. It was about the shepherds and the shepherds trying to provide a perfect Passover, a perfect lamb for Passover. This one shepherd is rejected. He's ridiculed. He's ostracized and shepherds as a whole were. But then the angels appear to them. And as he runs to the manger, having been told by the shepherds to go find him, he's healed and he meets the Savior. He meets a savior. And the last line is very powerful when that Pharisee who was so judgmental, you brought me a blemished lamb says to him, the last line is so, have you finally found a spotless lamb for sacrifice? Yeah, pretty good. It's pretty good. So if you haven't seen that, go to the 11, on YouTube, 11 o'clock service. You can watch it. You can just find it at Angel, their app. But here's the line that stuck with me from that. And this is the line I so much wanted everyone who came to hear. And it's not in the text. It, it alludes to it in the text of Luke. The angels went to see everything which the angel had told them. So, and they hurried off, right? You remember this from the Luke 2 text? And they went and saw everything the angel had told Because he said, you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. Right? So they go. And then it says the angels returned. It's one of the most powerful lines of the whole gospel story, the angels returned glorifying and praising God for everything which they had seen and heard. And so the way Dallas Jenkins did that in the movie was as they heard this and they saw, they're like at the stable and they're not, they're there only for like 30 seconds. They're just, their eyes are huge. It's amazing. And one of the powerful things is this shepherd, the rejected shepherd has an injury and Mary hands him a piece of the swaddling cloth. You know, he's, his injury is bound with the same cloth which bound our Savior, wrapped our Savior. It's very, very powerful. It's very, images are, are, are great. But as they leave, they race out of the place. And you know what the line is? They say constantly, people must know. People must know. People must know. They say it over and over and over. People must know. People must know. Would that, would that that could be our resolution? That news People must know. Salvation is no secret is point number four. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. God is not hiding the ball. God sent an angel army to announce it, 
to the lowest of the low, that from the lowest to the high, all people might know this one is for you. This one is for all. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Jesus Christ cannot be the best kept secret around. You know what our challenge is though? This is the hard part. We live in kind of a post-Christian culture. So the vast majority of people think that they know everything about Jesus and Christians and the church. So unfortunately, what we're in is a re-education process. We have to remind people that it's all about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. Last point. So do you know what day of Christmas it is today? If you've put away your, your ornaments and decorations, shame on you. It's not 12 days yet. 12 days of, that's not the Bible. So you're all good. It's all good. But seriously, the 12 days of Christmas, it's not just a song, which would be an extravagantly enormous multi-million dollar gift to your bride, but it is a, that was a way of teaching the faith, and each day at a day for saints, mostly in the United Kingdom, and so um, as they celebrated that, which culminates then on Epiphany Eve, January 5th, and then Epiphany is that next great celebration in the church. So Christmas and Epiphany, bridging those is the 12 days of Christmas. We're in the eighth day. So you still have four more days of celebration. We're in the eighth day of Christmas. And so what I think is powerful about that is I, I, was, I was cruising through Facebook. I do it about once a week or so, and I'm cruising through, and seeing pictures and images of people talking about how quickly they put away their decorations. And so there were people putting them away on Christmas Day, right? On Christmas Day. There's nothing evil about it. There's nothing evil about it, but it's a missed opportunity. That's kind of my point. My point is that more Christmas is better than less Christmas. And so Joseph and Mary, I pray, are models for us in this way. They're like us in this way. At the conclusion of this, Simeon says, I'm holding in my, I can die happy. I can die fulfilled. My assurance, my salvation is assured. I'm holding it in my hands. This is the salvation of Israel, of the whole world. I hold it in my hands. And he, my friend, will hold you in his hands. And yet Joseph and Mary, it concludes by saying this, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Here would be my last resolution or my belief. Oh, I'm sorry, on fourth one, the resolution is it's good news for everyone. People must know. But the last one is this. God will continue to amaze you. Anticipate that God will continue to amaze the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Can you imagine how often Joseph and Mary simply marveled at what was happening in their life? Now, you can also imagine they're just like us, too, aren't they? Because they probably went through times when it was just changing diapers, and he's keeping us up late at night, and it's another mouth to feed, and boy, I'm tired today, and this is a challenge, and Jesus got teased or bullied, or Jesus was... Right, whatever. The, all those challenges of raising a child. But they never ceased being amazed at what was said about him. They know that Jesus is Savior. They know that much. They know that God is with us. They know that he is the very Son of God. But just think of what else they will learn. So if I have a last one for us here on this new year, 
that we take the opportunity to stand in awe and wonder day after day after day, in this year and in all our days to come. Remember the late night show, the late night TV? You get all the Ronco ads, but wait, there's more. And thanks be to God, in these weeks that head up here to Lent and to Transfiguration and then to the cross, there's much more to come to stand in awe and wonder of the great gift, which at this point they can hold in their arms, but at a future date, nothing can contain his love and his grace. To God be the glory. Amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org and make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. Mm -hmm.